This is Alice Cooper, and you're listening to Brando on Appetite for Distortion right here on iHeartRadio. Stay tuned, or else. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? This is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. It is Brando, episode 130. We have accomplished a lot over this first 130 episodes. Thanks for hanging out. Whether you found us on the iHeartRadio app, on Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, uh, through AlternativeNation.net. However you found us, uh, thanks for hanging out. Because without you hanging out and listening to this podcast... I wouldn't be doing it, for one, and I wouldn't have the opportunity to speak with the person we're going to speak with today. And that person is Alice Cooper. We're not worthy! We're, we're stuck! We suck! You say Alice Cooper. The guy is a legend before my lifetime, during my lifetime, going to be probably after my lifetime because he is a a vampire. And we're going to talk about the Hollywood vampires with him but uh, since he's he's taking a little bit of a break with the vampires before he go, goes out on, I, I don't know how you can classify it. You can say it's just one long tour with different versions of it, but he's going to be solo. He's going to do an, an intimate stretch. He's going to be with, which sounds weird at a, at a context if you don't know what that means, uh, and Hailstorm. We're going to talk about that. And, of course, we'll do all the six degrees of Guns N' Roses bacon with him and just appreciate him taking the time because he is such a busy guy. He has a... A radio show, Nights with Alice Cooper, and I'll talk about some funny radio Alice Cooper stories. Uh, and I don't want to take, um, I don't want to use my time with him, boring him with my Alice Cooper radio stories. Perhaps if I get him on a second time, but I think they're pretty funny. I'll just start off by saying I met Alice Cooper eight years ago when I worked at United Stations Radio Networks, which is the uh, distributor of his uh, his radio show. And eight years later, I get to interview him. Life is funny. So I don't want to waste any more of your time. Hello, Alice. Hey, hey, hey Alice. This is quite an honor to speak with you. Well, thank you. Um, if I cough, I'll cough away from the mic. All right. I've got a little bit of a, uh, a, little bit of a tickle in my throat. So. Okay. I'll, I'll try not to kiss right. you either. I mean, I, you're very pretty. Yep. Thank, I'll try. You. thank you. Thank you. Even though, you know, <laughs> I was looking forward to that. That's great. So, I mean, if you're feeling sick, I was going to start off by saying— Oh, no, no, not sick. Oh, not allergies. Just a, little, just a little allergy cough, yeah. Oh, I have that. So if I start hacking up, it's because my my, uh, my Claritin hasn't kicked in or my Zyrtec hasn't kicked in. Well, what, we'll, what we'll do is we'll do it in harmony. I'll take the uh, fifth and you take the normal allergy <laughs> line, okay? Well, for someone like you who's all over the world, I mean, I can't imagine the— the kind of environment and climates and, you know, degrees of pollen you have to deal with. The funny thing is, is I'm the one that can do 192 shows, 17 countries last year, four continents, and never get sick. <laughs> so we come home here, it's 105 degrees, and they're having a big fire here in Arizona, and the pollen is everywhere. And so when I get out of here, I'll probably be fine. 
<laughs> you're used to being on the road. Yeah, that's your your yeah, comfort zone. Yeah, you're, that's true. Oh, so you you said you're you're in Arizona, your your home state. So I'm assuming this is kind of a, a little bit of a break after the vampires finished their run. Yeah, we did the vampires run. That was a nice little ten ten show run, and the album came out then. You know, the album that we were working Rise. on, all original material, and uh, did very well. It was like on Spotify, I think, top or no, number one in 14 countries and number two in 20 countries. And So, I mean, it's doing really, really well. So we're very, very happy with that. Rise is an awesome album. I was listening to last night on Spotify, speak of which, and actually again this morning. It sounds like the soundtrack to my next favorite horror movie, if that makes any sense. I don't know if that's what you were going for, but that's kind of the, the vibe you know I got. What? very unique thing on this you know first of all i've done 30 albums studio albums aerosmith has done how many at least that many you know uh and johnny has been in a rock band all of his life is is his acting kind of took him away from being in a rock band but now he's back in one so basically he did the bulk of the music writing in this and um because I figured this way, if I start listening to it and start arranging it and start chopping it up and saying, great, let's keep this here, let's move that over there, let's, let me change that lyric and all that, it, I don't want it to sound like Alice Cooper. Hmm. And same with Aerosmith. We don't want it to sound like Aerosmith. We want it to sound like the vampires. And so we really went with all of the original versions of the song. And, you know, cleaned up very few pieces of it and just let it be what it was. And what it did was it really turned into the vampire sound, you know, which is I'm, I'm really, really happy with. It's it, it, it goes to a lot of places I wouldn't normally go on my album. I was going to ask, so what's the, how do you approach it differently than your albums? How do you approach the Vampire's record, in addition to maybe letting Johnny Depp do his thing, which is such a funny thing for me to I, say, I, how do you do it? You know, I basically, well, I basically do everything on our albums. I write it, arrange it. Uh, Bob Ezrin and I do all the writing. We do all the arranging. We do everything. We sing it, all of it. And it ends up being Alice Cooper. And you can you could take Mary Had a Little Lamb, and if, if we got a hold of it, it would be an Alice Cooper song. Hmm. But if you take all of that away and just, I'll be the singer. And I'll, there's a couple of lyrics that I'll go, hey, it would be funnier, or it would be, uh, clearer if I said this instead of that. Normally, I would have the control of the entire lyrics. Okay. Uh, and, and here's another thing about these about this band that I really enjoy. Uh, everybody in the band is best friends. You know, it's like three guys, we're three alpha males in the band. You've got Johnny, who's used to running his show. I'm used to running my show, and Joe's. You know, certainly him and Stephen run Aerosmith. There's never been one argument in five years in the studio or in rehearsal. Not one time has anybody stormed out of the room because of ego. It's been absolutely cooperative. Everybody just goes, okay, let's try that. Or we're laughing our way through it, you know. Um, And that's really important because then you really look forward to being in that band. You know, the the stress-free kind of ego-free thing I say I like ego, but it should be on stage. Mm. You know, when I play at Alice, Alice is an arrogant, condescending villain. And but off stage, I couldn't be more opposite of that. You know, and I said same thing with the vampires. I mean, when we're on stage, we should be dangerous. 
But when we're off stage, we should be extremely approachable. I like that. I like that. Since you've played with so many different musicians, whether it be in the Alice Cooper band or, you know, collaborations that you've done, what is special about Johnny Depp and, and Joe Perry uh, to you that you decided or I don't know how the, the, the first original idea, who brought it up first, but for you three to make a band? Because you obviously would have your pick of the litter of who to collaborate with. What's special about Depp yeah. and Perry? This is what, it was a series of events, really, that happened. I was doing uh, Dark Shadows with uh, Johnny Depp in London uh, uh, in that movie, which was a vampire movie, to be uh, coincidental, hmm. you know. And um, I started telling him about the original Hollywood Vampires Drinking Club, you know. And we said, wouldn't it be cool to put a bar band together that just does songs celebrating our dead drunk friends? You know, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, Harry Nilsson, John Lennon, T-Rex, Keith Moon. You know, those were the guys. And, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. I knew Johnny could play. I mean, Johnny was a, a really good player. And Joe walks in and says, I'm in. You know, the next thing I know, Duff McKagan goes, I'm in. Hmm. And, you know, you, you basically you've got an all-star band, you know, right there. And it was supposed to be a bar band. We were supposed to be the world's most expensive bar band. <laughs> and uh, the, we played the Roxy. And then the very next thing I know, we're at Rock and Rio, 200,000 people. And, you know, and, and, the, and the problem with that is everybody on that stage has been in front of 200,000 people before, so it didn't really shock anybody. It wasn't like a freakout that there's 200,000 people there. Even Johnny just fell right into it. He says, we do the same show, whether it's 20 people or 200,000, right? I go, right. That was really, you know, uh, we immediately became a touring band, a big band. I love that it became more than it was supposed to be because it's, it's great. It really is. I, I, I just mentioned I listened to, to Rise, and I, I'm assuming there obviously will be more dates in the future because you just had a, a short run. Uh, and speaking of short runs, I know I don't have you here for a lot of time. Because if that wasn't enough, new music from Vampires <laughs> and, and finishing that tour— you're going out in just uh, in just a bit. Uh, the old black yeah, I, eyes. I leave. From, I leave Thursday. Yeah. Old black eyes is back. I love that name, by the way. You know, it was certainly a takeoff on the Sinatra thing. Old blue eyes is back. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm re- so, I mean, and and it's a brand new production. You know, we did this last show for three years, and now this production. When we get to New York, at Foxwoods, we will rehearse there for seven days in their big auditorium there with all the props. But it's like Christmas morning. When we get there, there's going to be all of the new props and the new stage and the new setup and, the, and a new set list and everything. So it's going to be like the first rehearsal is going to be probably just a musical rehearsal. And then we'll start, you know, putting it together as far as what happens where. And that's the fun part because all of a sudden you go, oh, I got a great idea. What if blah, 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 and what if this happened there? Great, let's try it. And pretty soon by the end of that six, seven days, you've got an Alice Cooper production. Wow. And then also you're going out with, with Hailstorm as well? Yeah, Lizzie, Lizzie's been a friend of ours forever, yeah. I probably first learned about Hailstorm from your radio show, and it's just amazing that all these years later you guys are touring together. Well, you know, she's a Nashville girl, and she's a rocker. You know, I mean, she could probably go either way. She could go, probably go, you know, uh, Nashville or rock, but she's in a rock band, and she's a rock chick. I mean, really cool, cool chick. When we did, when I was mentioning, we did uh, 
Rock and Rio. Well, Hailstorm was down there. So we had Lizzie come up and do a whole lot of love with us. She sang it. Now, the cool thing about this tour is that, you know, my lead player is Hurricane Nita Strauss. Mm-hmm. And she's a shredder. She, I mean, she looks like a Victoria's Secret model and plays like Eddie Van Halen. So she just got voted best female guitarist in rock and roll. And Lizzie is another great female guitar player. So at some point, of course, I'm going to have to get them together on stage. You know, I don't know where on the show, but probably on School's Out, you know. Awesome. I was going to ask that. And could you foresee uh, perhaps doing maybe a, a, uh, going to the studio with Hailstorm or, or Lizzie and, and putting out an official track from you guys and gals? You know, those things happen so spontaneously that once you meet somebody and you know what they can do, it might be two albums from now. Where we're sitting there going, okay, Alice, you know, we gotta, we get, we need a duet on this. Oh, I know. How about Lizzie? Let's call Lizzie. You know, uh, or, or let's call Joan Jett, or let's call, you know, Susie Quattro. Who it doesn't matter. You know, if if their voice fits that song, that's who we'll go for. Yeah. Earlier, you mentioned because uh, again, I, I appreciate the time that you're giving me, especially since, uh, and I know what it's like to fight a cough. I, I've had to mute the mic before where I'm hacking up along while the guest keeps going on and on, and I feel very uh, awkward. Uh, you mentioned Duff McKagan before, which I, you've been friends with for a long time and one of the original vampires. I would love to know yeah. the, the story of, uh, behind The Garden, the song that you did with Guns N' Roses off Use, Use Your Illusion. Oh, you know, that was uh, – we took Guns N' Roses on their first tour. You know, when we were in Los Angeles, 1984, I think it was. They were a bar band, I think, back then, and – we had them open for us. This is before, you know, Appetite for Destruction or any of that. And, I mean, they were they were a wild crowd. I mean, believe me. Uh, but, you know, we would hear them on stage, and I'd say, these guys are really good. And we, it, 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 raises the, it raises the quality of everybody's playing. You know, when you hear somebody play that good, it, you know, brings you up. But, um, you know, Axel and I were good friends. Slash and I were good friends and everything. And it's about three in the morning, and Axel calls up and says, "Hey, I got this song. You know, Axel works all night. You know, and he says that's perfect for you." And I said, "Okay, I'll be right down there, but it's not going to take six years, right, to put this out." No, <laughs> I said, "I'm going to come down, and it'll probably take a couple hours." And I did it in two takes, hmm. you know, uh, and then went on. I almost forgot about it, you know. But uh, later on. We invited them to come in and do Under My Wheels with us. And so there's a version of Under My Wheels with, you know, Axel and I singing and Slash and Kane Roberts playing guitar. It was really a cool version. That's uh, that's just amazing. Could you foresee, and, and it got me thinking, you know, as you're continuing to tour both with the Hollywood Vampires and Solo and getting great headline acts, could you foresee maybe the Vampires or you teaming up with Guns N' Roses since Not In This Lifetime keeps, keeps going? Because... We can get a spontaneous The Garden. We can get a spontaneous Under you My know, Wheels. To us, and it would be absolutely, everything is open at all times. You know, I'm not one of those guys, as big as Alice Cooper has been for 50 years, uh, when, when Motley Crue says, we're going to do our last tour, our final tour, would you guys be our special guests? And we went, sure. Mm. You know, there's no ego there. We go on before them. Okay, sure. You know, for us, we wanted to be in front of their audience because their audience in that generation had only heard of the legend of Alice Cooper. I said, 
let's show them what Alice Cooper is. I think we gained more fans doing that tour than any other thing that we ever did because their audience suddenly went, oh, my gosh, I never saw anything like that. You know, and it was a really good tour. I mean, you know, it was, you know, and we're all friends with Motley, and they're, they're all sober now. Well, three of them are. <laughs> but um, it was a fun tour to do. And any other, I think, band would have gone, oh, we're not opening. And I said, it's not opening. I said, we're, it, we're the guest stars. You know, we're used, to, we're, we're used to headlining. But I saw the opportunity of being in front of a million Motley Crue fans. You know, and I knew they were going to love our show. So that's why we took it that, you know. And that is why the legend of Alice Cooper <clears throat> continues. And let me just say before I, I let you go, you know, I think it's so sweet and beautiful. You have the life pact with your with your wife of 43 years. My grandparents were married for 64 years. And not to get too morbid, but I'm so glad that he went before my grandma because it just, you yeah. broken heart and you spend lives together. So, you know, just, uh, oh my gosh, my, it's just, uh, it's, it's wonderful to see. Married, my grandparents were married 76 years. Oh, wow. Okay. And they were married when they were 15 oh. and died at 95. I mean, as soon as he died, she didn't last very long, you know, and that whole thing got so blown out of, uh, you know, you know how the British press is, right? You know, the British press, they love sensationalism. It's here in America, so too. I'm talking to this girl. Yeah, I mean, they love it. I love, when I go to London, I love picking up the sun and the mirror and all these, you know, because they go, these are great stories. And it's sort of like our inquirer, you know. Uh, and so I said to the girl, she said, what would happen if one of you went, you know, before the other one? And I said, oh, that'll never happen. I said, you know, we're, we're next to each other all the time. If it's an airplane, we're going down. We're going down together. If it's a car, we're go- if, if I got hit by lightning, she would get hit by lightning, too. <laughs> She'd be right next to me. And it turned out Alice Cooper death packed with wife, you know. No, I knew exactly I what you meant. so many calls. Yeah, I mean, I got so many calls going, well, how, how long does she have? <laughs> and she's fine. She's healthier than anybody on the planet, you know. But it was really funny how it got blown out of proportion. No, it's, I knew exactly. I was just thinking about, again, my grandparents, you know, uh, they say you could actually, my therapist tells me you, you could die of a, of a broken heart because when you're the love oh, of absolutely. your life. So, you know, you, you, like, as you said, you're booked until 2028. So you're good for a, you're good for a while. That's right. Uh, That's right. It's, 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 I'm going to be working at least till then. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see you again. It's been a while. I saw you at the Beacon Theater years ago with Twisted Sister and Sebastian oh, Bach. Goodness. You were awesome. Yeah, you know what? I love, I love putting our show into a theater. When our show goes into a theater, it gets a lot more intense. You can see all the detail in the show. You can see the emotional part. When you get into one of these big places, you know, with you know, 40,000 people, you kind of miss that intimacy of the Alice Cooper show. So I love going into theater. The Beacon is a great place to to see the show. Well, I'll see you wherever, and we're going to have plenty of opportunities to see you uh, over the summer, throughout the fall, and and, and beyond. So, uh, Alice, just keep being you. Just thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, man. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Wow. Very surreal, because Alice Cooper is as part of Americana as anything else. Or just a global icon for for so many years, so of course you know I have a, my list of of questions, which honestly I actually wrote on the back of a paper plate. I'm professional like that, but the entire time speaking with him, 
just going through my mind. We're not mental or anything, so don't be afraid. <laughs> I'm just trying not to come off as a nut job or a fanboy. Uh, but it was just wonderful to talk to him about the vampires. I remember being on an FM station at the time with all the hype of the Hollywood vampires and getting really excited about that. And I'm glad that they've made a second record with all original new music because when they first came out, a lot of covers, which a lot of bands do when they first start out, even though they're all veterans. But uh, now it's all original music and it's continuing. And, you know, I'm Joe Perry seems to be doing well. I know he's had scares. Uh, and, and Johnny Depp, it's just so funny to think that he's in a rock band with Joe Perry and Alice Cooper. Uh, and, and Alice was right. Uh, Johnny Depp wanted to be a rock star. It was Nicolas Cage. Yes, Nicolas Cage who convinced him to be an actor. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! I'd like to think he made the right choice because Johnny Depp is you know, an, an A-list actor, but now he's living his dream of being a rock star, playing with Alice Cooper <laughs> and Johnny Depp. I wonder who's, I don't know, who's more was more starstruck. You know, there's a lot of questions I could have asked Alice, but I'm gracious for the the 15 minutes or so that he that he gave me, and uh, just just a pleasure, very surreal moment. So you know, I started uh, before the interview. I had mentioned that I briefly met Alice, I guess eight years ago. Uh, I was working at a place uh, called United Stations Radio Networks, which is also here in New York City. That was one of four part-time radio jobs that I had at the time. This was on my, my route to get a full-time gig, which took seven years for me to get. It may not, it's because I went the on-air route, and it's harder to get on-air than just a regular job. But still, to get any job in New York City is extremely difficult. And when I was at United Stations to learn that Alice Cooper's radio show there was, uh, you know, in the building, I, I don't know, it just made me feel cool. I'm somewhere special. And you know, I worked on a show called Hard Drive XL. Maybe you, you've heard of that, which played Hailstorm, played Guns N' Roses. But I'd always look across the hall and be like, oh, wow, I wonder what it would be like to have a conversation with Alice Cooper. <laughs> it took eight years, but but well worth it. And what's really weird, when I when I met him, and I'm being completely honest, you know, I'm, I'm awkward. I, I overanalyze things. Um, I'm still kind of crazy and manic, but not as much as I used to be, you know, maybe, you know, certainly pre-therapy or at the beginning stages of therapy. So I wanted to meet Alice Cooper so bad eight years ago because I, at that point, I'm not full-time in radio. I kind of feel like, is this ever going to happen for me? I don't feel good about myself. I mean, no reason not to, even if you have part-time jobs in radio, uh, that's something to be proud of, but i the way I am, I'm my own worst enemy. So for whatever reason, meeting Alice Cooper would have been like a victory to me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm successful. I'm getting to meet Alice Cooper, and I was off that day that he came in to have lunch with the staff, and I was over at Sir, uh, Sirius XM working for the Catholic Channel. This is all eight years ago. Life changes so <laughs> it doesn't seem that long, but wow. Uh, so. I was working at the Catholic Channel, which 42nd Street, uh, I, United Stations was somewhere else at the time. I know they moved, but it was like 10 blocks away here in New York City, which may or may not seem like a lot depending on who I'm, you know, who you are. But if again, if you know anything about me, I have a physical disability. I wear leg braces. I use a cane. I have a neurological 
a disability called uh, demyelinating peripheral neuropathy. So I don't enjoy, I could walk around, but walking around in New York City, it's a nightmare. I feel like a human game of, of Frogger, not just with the tr- like, you know, cabbies trying to hit you, but just the, the people out there. It's in the uneven roads, and it's just, New York City is a nightmare to be handicapped. That's, a, that's another story for another time. But I had asked one of my coworkers if I can come in to meet Alice on my day off. And maybe, what, 10 minutes, 20 minutes went by, and I'm like, he's not answering. I'm going to go email somebody else. So I emailed probably Catherine, and then I didn't hear from Catherine. Then I emailed somebody else. I'm a nut. I'm a nut just to see if it's okay if I come in to meet Alice Cooper. Little did I know that all three of them went, uh, the three people I asked to meet Alice, went in separately to my boss to ask if it was okay if I came in, which is a normal thing. I still do that here at iHeart. Hey, can I meet so-and-so? For instance, as I'm recording this, uh, what is, I should probably know today's date, Uh, it is June 25th, so yesterday... Uh, the Rock on Tours with Jack White were here at iHeart, and I asked my boss if, if there is a meet and greet possibility, and there was not. So it, it happens. I'm not as cool as I, you know, uh, as all my pictures seem to be meeting all these rock stars or famous people. It's just some, sometimes right place, right time. So all three of my then coworkers went in to ask my boss if I can meet Alice Cooper, not knowing the other had asked. And when I spoke to my boss later, He's he knew I was a nice guy, but he's like that seemed a bit aggressive. <laughs> I felt so embarrassed and and stupid and silly, and tried to make a joke out of it, saying, "Well, you know, might make you feel better that I walked ten blocks to get here." He didn't find that very funny, um, but that was a younger version of me who was uh, I shouldn't say completely desperate because I was desperate for a lot of different things in in my life. Uh, but just not knowing the road that we would go on, that I would go on, I guess I should say. And eight years later, getting to speak with him. And one of the reasons, this is that's only part of an Alice Cooper radio story. When I first started out, so this is before that, when I, I first started out in radio, I worked for uh, On Air, I should say. Uh, I went up to Cape Cod, Massachusetts, worked for a station called Pixie 103, that's don't ask. It's a legendary station. And I was only hired for Saturday nights. So I moved from Long Island to, to Cape Cod just for a Saturday night shift. It was probably minimum wage, nine bucks maybe. And, you know, I was just gonna get other jobs when I, I went up there, but I, like this is where I'm gonna cut my teeth on the air. This is what I have to do. This is the career path I have to take. And it was going well for a while. I mean, long story short, I was there for about two years. But maybe after half a year, a year, my Saturday night shift was replaced with the syndicated Nights of Alice Cooper. <laughs> I, I still, I mean, I did other shifts and they moved me around. But to have my first on-air shift taken away from me by Alice Cooper, you know, not directly, of course, and then awkwardly meeting him. Years later in New York City uh, at his radio company where he is. He usually records out of his house in Arizona. So uh, after, we're, after we're done with our interview, he just wants to go do his radio show. I mean, the guy is 
I mean, they said they said that uh, James Brown was the hardest working uh, man in show business. It might be Alice Cooper. And then all these years later, to to interview the man, it's just fascinating. Life is funny. I I still have those moments of doubt. You know, as early as today, or as early as before the interview. Oh, he's not going to call. Cancel last minute. But this is the the message I'm trying to come across through our Guns N' Roses colored glasses on this podcast. We don't know where things are going to end up. We can have bad moments, awkward moments, and they lead to something really special that you never expected. And that kind of symbolizes a lot of Guns N' Roses, wouldn't you say? I mean, the fact that we're talking about Axel and Slash continuing to tour together I mean, eight years, let's just use the eight years as the bracket of time, you know, between my Alice Cooper interactions. Eight years ago, talking about a Guns N' Roses reunion or Axel and Slash reunion, laughable. That would never happen. Now it's so positive in the camp and, you know, there's so much material for new music. Not in this lifetime is forever in a lifetime. We really don't know. But what I try to do, and what I wish Guns N' Roses did more, is to show the path. I think the path is important. Even, I mean, that's what I'm, I'm hoping is coming across from me to you. You know, I'm obviously not as important or special uh, as Alice Cooper or Axl Rose where you want to know my story. But there are, I what I like to think, interesting tidbits that can show you, perhaps you can relate to it in your life. Eight years may seem like a long time, but man, it went quick. It went quick. And to have Alice Cooper interviewed on a platform that I created, of course, along with uh, with Ian Scotto, well, I will not forget him. I will not write him off. <laughs> uh, it's, just, it's just incredible and special. And thanks to all of you who have allowed me to create a platform to have an Alice Cooper on here. Look at where we're going. Let's let's keep this going through 130 episodes. Look at all we've accomplished. Let's see what the next next 130 could bring. I'll mention some upcoming guests that I can announce that I know as of today are confirmed. Of course, you know a meteor could hit the the planet, and so nothing is ever confirmed. But I believe tomorrow, as I'm recording this, I'll be speaking with a Peanut from 311. And you're wondering. What is the six degrees of Guns N' Roses bacon there? Well, we're going to see if, what Peanut has to say, but uh, Slash and the Conspirators uh, played the Aftershock Festival last year. And also on the bill, 311. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. And, you know, I love Guns N' Roses. I also like 311. I'm sure many of you are uh, the same out there. So whatever gives us an excuse within our our world of Guns N' Roses and Bacon, how, no matter how thin the slice is, that we can connect to show that we all have the common thread of Guns N' Roses in our life so we can create world peace via this podcast or something. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. So we're, I'm going to talk to the Peanut. You'll be hearing that soon. Also, another Cooper, John Cooper from Skillet. Now, Skillet is interesting, and I'm glad that I'm going to interview one of the I mean Skillet's been around for a, a little bit but one of the the younger bands I guess because we could talk to Alice Cooper we could talk to a lot of the, the guys who were on the Sunset Strip and that's all well and good but 
let's dig deeper. Let's let's find some connections between the more youthful bands, I think, and, and Guns N' Roses. And, you know, I put it out there, and, and you guys are awesome, of what is the six degrees of Kevin Bacon or, or Guns N' Roses Bacon, the skill of music. So I will give this credit to, uh, it's on Twitter, VPM, uh, you know what, VM on Twitter. Your your handle is too confusing. So he writes, uh, John Cooper and Al- Axl Rose both first learned to sing at church. So I think that's the angle I'm going to go with. That could be an interesting conversation, I think. Hmm. So we're going to see how that, that plays out. And more interviews to come, including ones I don't even know about yet. That's, that's just the way it is. <laughs> wow. So thanks to everybody for joining me, Brando, episode 130, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, uh, AlternativeNation.net. And please, please follow us on Twitter, uh, twitter.com. Uh, actually, I can just give it the, at the handle. That's how that works. How the, that's how the kids do it, uh, at the AFD Show or on Facebook, facebook.com slash the AFD Show. And I mentioned last episode, I want you guys to conti- and gals to continue to keep giving me uh, guest uh, suggestions, and you've been doing that. Keep it up. And I know I haven't been get, able to get to all your suggestions, and uh, remember, if you make the suggestion and it works out, you have the opportunity to co-host and speak to the to the guy or gal, rock star, ho, or whoever we get on the show and to give you that radio experience. And that's going to continue to happen as long as this podcast, Night Train, keeps it rolling. So when will you see the next episode of Appetite for Distortion? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.